Hey there folks, Alex Lokes here, Classic Camera Revival, and we are still in the dead of winter here up in uh, southern Ontario. Actually, it's um, it was a pretty nice day earlier on today. Um, when we we're uh, recording this, the sun was out, the snow was uh, going down. But of course, when you go out shooting, you need to put something in your camera. Well, at least for the folks around the table, and even then you still need a media card, right? Right. So today we are going to be digging into our film fridges, checking out that panchromatic meat locker, and talking about the films we choose when our reputations are at stake. Welcome to the Classic Camera Revival, coming to you from the Greater Toronto Hamilton region of Ontario, Canada. If you don't have gear acquisition syndrome now, you most likely will by the end of the episode. All right, so um, we are going to start off with Mr. James Lee and a film that is very much beloved. And we thought it was dead, but it decided to come back. We are talking, of course, about Fuji Across. Yes, indeed, Fuji Across. And I'm going to talk today about Fuji original OG Across, or OGA, as uh, I guess it'll hopefully now be fondly referred to as. Um, so, uh, why do I love Acros? Because, well, um, I like to shoot a lot of portraiture, and um, I find that Acros is uh, really well suited for portraiture work. Um, I like its really smooth uh, tonality, uh, its grain structure. Uh, Acros is a T-grain film, uh, but I find it to be slightly less contrasty than its Kodak counterpart, which would be T-Max 100. Uh, T-Max 100, I actually think, is an excellent film as well, too. I just prefer Acros. And Acros has some pretty interesting um, uh, attributes about it. Uh, it's got essentially no reciprocity uh, uh, failure characteristics at all. So you can shoot it from, you know, one eight thousandth of a second to 8,000 seconds without having to compensate for exposure. Uh, why you'd want an 8,000 second exposure, well, you never know. But... Uh, uh, one day we may be shooting in a black hole or, or gravity well or something like that. You never know. Um, uh, in terms of what it likes to be souped in, pretty much um, everything. In terms of what's available today, um, I like it a lot in either Perceptol or Microfin. Um, uh, Fuji um, actually does recommend... They, they actually did make a developer specifically for... Um, for Acros, um, that was called Microfine, right? Yeah, Microfine, and yeah. yeah, that's right. And the and it does actually perform really well in Microfine, and I think the closest compatible developer would be Perceptol to Microfine. So it does work really well. But I've had great success with it in anything from, well, you know, uh, any Adox developer to to Rodinol. It doesn't really matter. Kind of likes everything, but. Um, uh, I would uh, really recommend going with Perceptol. In terms of shooting it, um, I like to overexpose it by essentially one-fifth of the stop, which means I shoot it at 80 instead of 100. Um, and uh, it really the reason I do that is because um, I, I like the little bit of extra uh, punch and contrast I get out of it when shooting at 80, and I find that the film really, really, really does love and uh, highlights, and it handles them really really well um, if you're going to shoot it in large format um, excellent for pinhole work 
uh, go. It, it's it's beautiful if you stand develop it or semi stand it uh, in Rodinal at one two hundredth for um, an hour. Uh, and you can, if you semi, I typically semi stand. I don't fully stand film because um, I do like to have that one inversion in the middle just to uh, uh, try and negate any potential uh, bromide drag or anything like that. But uh, if you shoot large format or medium format, especially with long exposures, uh, longer exposures in uh, in Acros, stand develop it uh, in that Rodinal uh, dilution, and that's one to two hundred for an hour. You would, you'll love it. Definitely recommend if you can get a hold of some old Acros. And I, I see Bill was uh, Bill was recently down in my my film vault, and he took a picture and, and posted my Acros stash. And there's quite a bit of Acros in there. But uh, uh, well, I'm a tad gobsmacked because I'm I'm down to like maybe 22 rolls left and 120. Yeah. And again, it's been sort of like my go-to. Me- what I think in 120. For the past little while, my go-to medium speed film because I, I, I sort of binged on it when there were noises it was going to disappear. So I had I had a stash, and again, and once it's gone, well, yeah, you know, yeah, there's think- across too. But again, there, you know, it really depends on the application. Like for for landscape work, which is what I do a fair yep. bit of in, in 120, it's like, oh wow, yeah, there is, is there is no grain. <laughs> yeah, it's it's great for uh, for landscape work as well too. Like it, it's a it's it's a it's a 100 speed T grain film, like great general purpose all round film landscape portraiture. It it's just one of those films that that will stand the test of time. It was heartbreaking a couple of years ago or a year ago to hear when Fuji was discontinuing it. You know, whatever their internal reasons were for, for doing that, I'm glad that they've resurrected Across 2. So, um, um, the um, Kodak equivalent to Fuji Across 100, as James alluded to, is Kodak T-Max 100. That's one of John's film. Thanks, Alex. And so... I'm going to start off my chat about uh, T-Max 100 using an alcohol analogy. I don't think I, I don't see any people objecting. There was a, not at a, this table. <laughs> there was a uh, an old ad, like a magazine ad back I think in the 70s, um, for a brand of vodka called Prince Igor, and the and the the uh, the caption was Prince Igor has no taste. And the idea was that it's supposed to be a very, very neutral vodka that did not add any characteristics to a drink. That's what I like about T-Max 100 is the fact that, to me, it's a neutral film. And I like to use it for when a situation where I don't want the characteristic of a specific film to become the subject matter. And, like, there are films like, you know, uh, Rolly 80S or or uh, you know stuff like that where there's a definite characteristic to the film there's a definite look uh, to me T-Max 100 doesn't have a specific look even like the way that Across 100 has its own look uh, T- the T-Max films I find are very neutral very vanilla and uh, sometimes you want vanilla and in terms of rock solid reliability uh, despite the fact that yes, T-Max films eat your fixer like there's no tomorrow, um, I develop T-Max 100 in uh, T-Max Developer One Plus Four, and I get this. You know, as long as I do my stuff carefully and match my temperatures and all that, it just comes out 
the same way every time. Like there's time for experimentation, there's time for fun, there's time for trying 30-year-old expired film with a developer that uh, you'd never used before. But sometimes you need the picture to turn out. Uh, like if you're, let's say, once-in-a-lifetime trip, um, like I shot some in Croatia, I'm not likely to get back to Croatia anytime soon, at least not until I retire. Uh, so that was not the time to use weird combinations. No, of course not. <laughs> and uh, the one thing I really like doing with uh, T-Max 100 is pulling it to ISO 32 and pretending it's Panatomic X. And you know what? It's pretty darn close. So when you do that, what um, developer do you soup that in? Um, well, when I first started doing it, I used uh, Xtal 1 to 1, but um, I've also done it in Rodenol, and I actually want to start um, calculating some HC110 times as well. So the idea is, is that basically for developing, I pull it one and a half stops. So I'll take a long developing time, like um, taking the HC110B times, doubling it for HC110 dilution H, and then subtracting 10% and then 5%. And that gets it pretty close to the 32 range and then let the um, um, latitude of uh, Tmax 100 take care of the rest. And it actually produces something really close, not as close as what you'd get if you were using Cat Labs X-Film 80 and pulled it to uh, 32, but it's it's actually really pleasing and it gives that almost gray contrast that you got with classic Panatomic X. And I got this idea because I had gotten a commercial box of... Um, Panatomic X, one of the last ones produced, and inside, on the top of the film canister was, this film is being discontinued, replacement is T-Max 100. So, I got that idea and just started doing it. All around, good film, versatile, uh, can be brutalized to some extent. Um <laughs> But it's uh, once you get it dialed in, it's no surprises, and no surprises is often a good thing. Yeah. And uh, crossing the ocean, um, we're going to um, actually to Czechoslovakia. Well, Czech Republic. Czech Republic, close enough. Yeah. Um, <laughs> quick shout out to Dan. I Novak. Careful where you say that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And a quick shout out to our friends, Mr. Dan Novak in Orchard Park, New York. Don't worry. It's just. <laughs> Thanks for the Christmas card, Dan. Yeah, thank oh, yeah, you, Dan, as well. And uh, again, it's the beer talking at this point. So, yeah, if T-Max 100 is the backing band for Phil Collins, Foam Pan 100 is the Black Keys, kids. <laughs> it is a fine-grained cubic grain film, 100, 100 ISO speed. It's a classic, no-nonsense it's going to give you lovely tonality. I process it myself in Rodinol 1 to 50. That's been sort of my new favorite combination, considering old-school film emulsion, old-school developer. And once you dial it in, it's all good. And I shot with it a lot last summer um, through a lot of vintage Nikon equipment, um, mostly my Nikon Fs. 
if you were to go back to the show notes for the Nikon F episode, there are a bunch of photos taken with the uh, uh, with uh, Fomapan 100 uh, processed in Rodinol. Um, it's the other big bonus with this film, it's available in a variety of formats, all the way from 35mm all the way up to 4x5, if not bigger. It is also a reasonably priced film. So if budgetary concerns are an issue for you, you could probably get a hundred um a roll of um thirty-six exposure, thirty-five millimeters for about seven fifty a roll, give or take, Canadian funds. Of course, the numbers are slightly different in the US. You're looking at about four or five if you're buying from B and H. Uh, so yeah, that is my go-to. I have never had it go bad on me. I even expired from a pan one hundred turned out great so same goes you just can't go wrong with that film plus foma pen 100 is one of the more um most uh film that's usually uh repackaged and resold as Ex sort of a boutique brand exactly if you're buying cosmo mono 100 it is foma pen 100 not that it's a bad thing actually the packaging our friend Stephen dowling has done Oh, it's super duper groovy, Brilliant. and we need more of that because, again, it's like one of those sort of – it just spreads it further and wider. Absolutely. Especially so, where you get dealers who don't have Foma Pan 100, but they'll carry Cosmo Mono 100. So yeah. there you go. Yeah. Um, so um, the film that I tend to use when – especially in um, bright light, um, also uh, controlled light, so studio work. I actually go again with a, a classic grain film. I use um, Ilford FP4. Um, probably out of the uh, my love of um, Plus X. Um, it's a 125 speed film, um, fine grain, super sharp. I actually um, and available in every format under the sun. 35 millimeter, um, 120, 4x5, and if you uh, hit it up at the right time of year. You can get it in <clears throat> all sorts of crazy sizes through Ilford's um, special uh, special film um, orders. Um, what I really like about it is that it has great contrast, amazing tonality, and it's pretty close to bulletproof. I have pulled, I have pushed. Um, some of my favorite ways to develop it are HC110 Dilution B. Um... PyroCAD HD, and that's both doing the long soup at 22 minutes and the short soup by doing constant agitations for 8 minutes um, when you pull it down to 64. I've pushed it up to 200 and developed it in Tmax. And, but my personal favorite and probably gives a really nice classic look is to just pull it slightly back to 100 and uh, develop it in uh, Kodak D23. It's really nice um i love it for working in this in street photography portraiture travel you name it it really does everything for me and i just love the fact that ilford still produces it and will continue to yeah i have a bulk roll of a fp4 sitting in the fridge waiting for my delta 100 to finally be done with <laughs> I have to shoot this here because I want to shoot that FP4 now. Oh, I love FP4. And I, I, we were just chatting before we started recording. I haven't shot it like excessively, like like continuously yeah. since uh, since high school, and it's it's what I've what I learned on. And 
I don't even really have that many recipes for it. I used to develop it in Ilfasol. Not Ilfasol 3. Ilfasol, because it was oh. the 80s. <laughs> yeah. In fact, FP4 is going to be the film I'm going to use on um, my next short one run project, which is basically documenting Milton, um, the sites that are important to me and historical buildings yeah. as well. And, it, I and think I'll it's be doing well that on 4x5. For, well suited for that type of photography. Oh, I think it would be oh, a perfect match. photography, yeah. yeah and oh. particularly architectural work. <laughs> yep, yeah. Um, it's like the tonality, like the, the gray scaling on it is mm -hmm. very, very smooth, and the transitions are really, really nice. It's, yeah. it's, it's, again, it's, it's like Tri-X in 100. Exactly. Yeah, Classic look. No, I used it uh, for on-location uh, portraiture and stuff when it was around buildings and laneways and stuff like that with natural light. And it just brought out a beautiful contrast of the dark and the light stone sort of background and the skin tones that, you know, uh, from natural light, diffuse light, and just it works great on gray days, actually. Yeah. So, oh, wow. Well, that's good because I'm going to be doing the shooting through January and February. Perfect. <laughs> there you go. And the other bonus is you'll get the escarpment in the background. Not in every case. Not every case. Not, Not every case. Not if he's facing east. Uh, very yeah. true. <laughs> you get the Mississauga skyline. I think the closest I'll get to the escarpment is the old P.L. Robinson factory. And ah. I'm still facing the wrong way. I live down in Oakville, uh, which is geographically south of Milton. Yeah. Um, so going from current production to no longer in production, um, Trevor, you have... Agfa APX 100. Yes, I used to shoot that um, mainly because I used to shoot a lot of headshots. And that um, back in the day, in the late 80s, early 90s and stuff, um, the way we printed them were uh, very kind of contrasty, but needed decent midtones because of the reprocessing of, you know, for uh, in magazines and uh, publications and stuff like that there had to be a different type of contrast scale so it would pick up on pmt machines and stuff like that uh pre-scanners and stuff that we all have now um and i worked at a commercial studio and that's what they always used everyone always preferred stuff like fp4 and you know 100 speed uh ilford and so on and so forth but this had a decent contrast range that we needed to be able to get that punch out of the headshots and uh have a kind of 40s look to it so um i learned on that and always shot it and smooth grain beautiful under like hot lights or studio lights um great gradations um i just i i swore by it and i always use it in studio for headshots so Unfortunately, it disappeared, as unfortunately other films have. But, uh, yeah, no, I use that religiously. And um, it just had a look um, that was perfect for uh, black and white headshots So back in the day. So here's the big question. Have you tried Rolly RPX 100? Uh, actually, I have several rolls. I have not had a chance to put it through the same um, process yet. So, okay, But was... I do plan on doing so. I highly recommend it because Rolly did a really good job um, creating spiritual successors to the Agreed. APX line with okay. the RPX films. Oh, okay. the RPX 400 is a dead ringer for APX 400. If and if, I... you're, if you're really jonesing for the real thing, Trevor, I have about 300 feet of it downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> you told him. <laughs> I'll, I'll dangle it over him like he's a cat or something. Well, speaking of <laughs> RPX films, um, one of John's choices for uh, the fast films is RPX 400. Yep, and again, as um, 
as was said, it is sort of a spiritual successor, um, almost to a point of relabeling, according to some people, but I won't get into the, uh, the rumor mill, to the, um, to the Agfa films. What I like about RPX 400, again, for me, it's a meat locker film in the sense that once you have a process dialed in, it is just brain dead. <laughs> and the way I like the way I like to shoot and process RPX 400 is, uh, and I'm talking about a, a medium format recipe here, is to use Rotenol 1 to 100 semi stand. I agree with uh, with what James was saying earlier that I prefer to do a semi stand, which is like one slow inversion halfway through, rather than. Uh, Rather than a, a pure stand, just you know to keep you know the bromide drag, temperature variation, that kind of thing, and I find I get the same results every time. The look is very very consistent, and it's a lovely film. That the RPX, like some people poo poo the RPX 400, but I find that uh, the semi stand, of course, you get the nice compensation. It uh, it's good for sharpness because you get those adjacency and edge effects. And, and also with RPX, uh, when you shoot it uh, at box speed, it's not super, super contrasty. Like, it's not like a Tri-X contrasty. I think it's more of an HP5 contrasty. But if you, if you start pushing it, you'll get that crunch will come up. So, yeah, I was saying, you push it to 1600, you get that nice, uh, the nice crunch comes back. You shoot at box speed. You find that recipe, and you get the same results every time. Because like I said when I was talking about the, uh, the T-Max 100, there are times you don't want to be surprised. Well, I've been shooting a lot of bulk-rolled really RPX 400 for the past little while. And for me, it's HC-110B for five minutes flat, just like, H, uh, just like H, Ilford HP-5, which I'll be talking at some point soon. And, yeah, well... Um, the one thing I've noticed with RPX 400, I think you probably need the, the proprietary developer to push it properly because then it, get, it does get very, either you're going to like it or you're not, very gritty at 1600. You, you, you don't need the proprietary developer. Is that the RPX D? Don't, don't yeah. waste your money. That developer is really a one-trick pony. Yeah, I thought you, I, I remember ta chatting with you about RPX D, yeah. Alex, and, I, I, and yeah. I, if I remember correctly, you weren't overly impressed with it. So One-trick pony, you can really only use it it really only does well for pushing RPX 400, mm -hmm. and for the cost of it, not worth your money. Kind of like Silvermax <laughs> developer. Yeah. Yeah. Or that Edo I spent Tech. $30 on and used once. Yeah. yeah. Ouch. Okay. So it looks like this is my segue to Ilford HP5. No need for introduction. It's been around for a while. It used to be known as HP4, and it's anomaly 400 speed ISO film that you can expose at box speed and process an HC-110B for five minutes flat and you get magic. That's my go-to combination. I generally overexpose slightly to 320 to get the shadow detail. It has gone through my all my Nikons, all my Canons, all my Olympus, my Minolta's, Pentax, Leica's, and whatever else. And then medium format, of course, Mamiya and Rolly Flax, uh, of course. No muss, no fuss is the, 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 the classic session musician who shows up on time, plays the part, doesn't get horribly drunk and stoned out of his brain, and he you know, he's the one you want on tour to make sure that rhythm section is working just fine. 
HP5 sings when it's pushed too. And that's what I've been doing lately at uh, 1600 ISO for 11 minutes in HC110B. That's a, HC110 is kind of like my go-to developer in my lovely little darkroom mise-en place uh, in the basement uh, uh, at my house. And I've shot it at night. I've shot it at uh, sort of less than wonderful days where the skies are pale lead or polished pewter or uh, nicotine-stained mother of pearl. <laughs> You've been working on these descriptions of gray, haven't you? Someone got a thesaurus for Christmas. We're we're bitter. We're in Toronto. <laughs> Talk yeah. about Fifty Shades of Gray. My goodness. Oh, we're taking it. We're going down that road again, are we? Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, there's no safe for it. <laughs> I shudder. Okay, just stop. So it's a film that works. Yeah. <laughs> no, I love HB5. Uh, it has a warmth to it that I uh, enjoy doing environmental portraits in on locations. Um, that and a 35 F2 of any sort in, say, like a marketplace on vacation or something like that. Probably Croatia, that would have been a really nice film to have. Um, well, I shot uh, a bunch of 35. Now, in 35, it's still it's a tad granny for my my taste i love it in 120 um i tend to develop it with tmax again i've been trying to narrow down the number of developers i have but also in pyrocat hp5 medium format is just it's creamy very creamy hp5 and pyrocat no matter what format you shoot it in looks fantastic and anything looks pretty damn good i got introduced to that with uh, our friend bob um who has the lab um mr carney yes bob carney Mm. Um, he introduced me to Pyro with uh, HP5, and it was great. And again, this was 25 years ago, but yeah, still, it was yeah. it was Matt Mirage who uh, showed me the uh, the light. Yes. Yeah. Well, the other bonus of HP5, if you're a developer, a home developer, it dries flat. Yes, yes it does. Yep. As it does Foma Pan 100. The downside with uh, its sister, its rival film Triax, it cups like crazy between September and May. Mm. In southern Ontario, yes, but not you to know. not to trash Triax. It is a beautiful film. I've shot kilometers of it or miles for my American friends over the the years. But it's like when it comes time to scan or indoor print, you want it flat. Yep. Well, I mean, you put up with it with Triax, and it is honestly my go to film in these uh, gray days of winter and. The nice thing is when it comes to scanning, the uh, the cupping of the film doesn't matter because I just run it through my uh, Cool Scan 5 and it just automatically flattens it as it goes in. It, it's great. <laughs> well, for those of us who shoot, use Epson's in the, in the, oh, in the studio audience. Pain uh, in the ass. Yeah, that's why I love HP5 so much. <laughs> but you know what? That just goes to show you there's a difference in scanner technology when yeah. a camera company, and at the time, you know, heavily into film camera companies, made scanners absolutely um but no triax i again i've shot kilometers of it um i remember the absolute first point where i'm like okay i like this film it was after um, my first photo stock event and i was just getting back into home developing and i developed my first roll of triax at home hc 110 dilution b i pulled it out i scanned it and it was just amazing i had done some just some casual street style portraits of the 
of the uh, participants there um got some of them with um smoke rings from the cigars and the pipes that they were using and got some absolutely beautiful stuff and i just started shooting it and one of the nice things i like about tri-x is that depending on how you shoot it how you process it the contrast is very easy to control you can pull it and you can soup it in rodinol 1 to 50 and get wonderfully sharp crunchy portraits um you can soup it in hc 110 you can pull it to 320 do it in dilution e to get a nice classic look you can pull it to 200 soup it in pyrocat hd you, you can, can shoot it at 1600 and like still shoot in a local uh, hockey rink arena which i've done absolutely and, uh, or in a no, dive bar <laughs> yeah 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 so <laughs> but, shooting uh, a band i've done oh, that over true. the years yeah yeah and uh, no, it is. A, I've shot reams of it because it was the go-to black and white film in photojournalism back in the '80s and the '90s. And uh, I've, I too, have shot miles of it um, through school. I know I bought at least, pardon me, six fifty roll boxes of it. Yeah. Um, so I shot at least that during school, um, and we'd shoot like three, four rolls a day for assignments and so on and so forth. Oh, yeah. And that I actually, you know, I've shot it from two hundred to what sixty-four hundred. And the the control of just being able to know if I up the temperature to twenty one and over agitate it, I can really squeeze out the you know the blown out highlights or something yeah. like that. <laughs> or you pull it down to two hundred and you just kind of nudge it every once in a while. You get great mid tones and like for yeah. a portrait film. It's very similar to like I treat it the same way I treat uh, Triax. Yeah. So it's kind of like knowing we're a car. About you know, the... Oh, I thought you were talking about HP five. Sorry, no, no, we're back to Triax. Oh, now. never mind. I treat Triax like the way I treat Triax. Yeah. <laughs> so, more consistent but, that way. But yeah, yeah I, was, I was a little. Yeah, I was curious because I, I thought we were talking about HP five, but I guess well, that was we verged into Triax. Yes, yeah. and then yeah. we segued ever so subtly. Yes. yes. <laughs> but yeah, no, with uh, Triax, it's it's easy to abuse and it'll you know happily take it and the thing is knowing its characteristics you can you know just a little bit more agitation a little bit more contrast or little uh change the temperature just get a little bit more shadow detail it's just it's so versatile it's like knowing an engine you just turn a screw here and it just does a little bit more sort of idea with it and it's a real Absolutely. fun film to get to know and i've shot so much of it that i, I know it that well so how many kilometers do you have in your fridge uh, I still, uh, well, it's not a kilometer, but, uh, I probably still have about 25 rolls. Nice. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. No. Triax is always the film I reach for on, on gray yeah. days. That's 125 w feet worth. What, what I've been, <laughs> what I've been doing, um, recently is pushing it to 800 and souping it in Ilford Microfin. Stock 11 minutes. Beautiful. Because you get really nice contrast, really sharp, and the Grain is manageable. Yep. I do agree with the curliness. Um, like when we'd be on assignment, we'd run out, shoot something, come back, soup it really, really quickly, and just barely dry, like squeegee it to kind of dry it, stick it into the enlarger while it's curling on either side uncut just to get that one <laughs> shot. You know, expose the print. Okay, test, test, test. Good. That's it. Life bam. of a photojournalist. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. literally. And it's just like bam, bam, bam. And it's drying and dripping, you know, while it's in the enlarger because it's yeah. got to be turned around quickly. Yeah. But nowadays, not anymore. So. Well, um, so we are we are going back full circle, um, 
and uh, we have um, Kodak's other 400 speed film. That's right. And that would be T-Max. T-Max. Dun, dun, dun. TMY, or actually TMY version 2. So those that don't know... It's like 400 TMY-2 now. That's correct. And that was launched, I think, sometime around like 2007, 2008. I that believe. sounds about right. I remember John Saxton was really like doing a ton of, uh, I guess you could say, branded journalism for Kodak, saying yeah. how great this film is. For, and and it, is, it is better than version 1, in my opinion. I haven't shot version 1 in a while. Um, I have a few older like rolls from back then. And basically, the way you can kind of tell the difference is um, if the 400 T-Max label on the 35mm canister is green, then you have version 2. TMY-2. Of course, you can also check the margins when you de when you develop the film, but I mean that would be after the fact. Yep. But uh, realistically, they're they're so close in uh, in performance. TMY-2 um, is a little bit sharper uh, than um, TMY-1. Um, Kodak promotes this film as the world's sharpest black and white film, um, and it is pretty sharp. It you know it's it's sharp film. Is it the world's sharpest? film uh maybe it is the world's sharpest film that's in production today i guess i could grant them that um but uh you know what i i like shooting it i like its tonality it's a little bit richer in tonality than like uh my other favorite film which would be uh across um i like to develop um uh t-max in uh in uh, Xtal, uh, primarily, and Xtal is a very fast developer. I find so, particularly when you uh, when you if you do uh, a one plus two um, uh, dilution, I, I find with uh, with uh, Xtal, if you dilute it a little bit more, it actually uh, gets a little bit faster. So, um, I like to when I'm developing uh, um, T Max, I usually drop my development time by about ten percent of the stated. Um, uh, stated uh, development times, uh, and I find that works out um, uh, really well. It does perform well in uh, DDX as well, and um, of course, you know your HC one ten T Max developer. If you're going to be pushing it, it's you know obviously T Max developer is a very good um, uh, compensating uh, qualities. Uh, again, it's another T grain film, so it's really hard on fixer as well too. Um, uh, as as is across or any any delta grain or T grain film, um, you know there's such a high concentration of silver in those films. You know, um, uh, fix for an extra <coughs> minute or two. Uh, and also, I just want to mention, you know, when you do fix your films for extended periods of time, please make sure that you're actually extending your wash time as well too. So if you're fixing for a couple extra minutes, wash for an extra five minutes. Um, just because there's a lot more fixer that's being absorbed into the um, into the gelatin layers of the film as well. So, um, you know, not much else to say about T-Max 400. Um, it's, again, a great all-round film. Um, with T-Max 400 and any Delta Grain films, they are a little bit more sensitive. They have a little bit less latitude and exposure yep. than your cubic grain films do. So... Um, what I like to do, if I'm shooting uh, landscapes or uh, anything uh, with a fairly high degree of or amount of shadow in it, I generally expose for the shadows and drop anywhere from one-third to two-thirds two of a stop. And I find with, with T-Max that really helps preserve uh, the highlights, uh, or sorry, the shadow detail uh, in the film. Yeah, my last adventure at T-Max, I 
again, it's like every once in a while for kicks and giggles, I'll buy like 10, a brick of it, just of a particular type of film and shoot it just to get acquainted with it, understand it. So it's sort of like, all right, if my go-to is missing in action, because again, everyone says, oh yeah, standardize one film, one developer, and be it one, but it's like in this day and age, you know, people run out of stock, they're waiting, they're waiting some more, they're still waiting. For the container to show up uh so it's like best to get acquainted with something so just in case you've got a workflow you can jump into and i found i was shooting with tmax 400 i was rolling instead of 400 i was shooting at 250 iso and processing a tmax developer and i was getting great results oh, yeah. it, it, and this was for street photography yeah. in, in toronto in the summer yeah you as far as pulling and pushing tmax it's a good puller and pusher mm-hmm. it's not as good as triax no um but it's really it's comparing apples and oranges like if you yeah. want wide latitude and you're in a multitude of shooting conditions triax 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 wins nine uh, nine yeah. nine point nine times out of ten and with eight five uh, just uh, almost behind it yeah and if you want um if you're more focused on uh preserving shadow detail sharp images good tonality in a more controlled shooting environment uh I would go with T-Max over Triax in that particular situation. Mm, yeah. Absolutely. So, How do you find the grain on it, though? I do find with the 400, sometimes if it's pushed to like 800 the, or something, it really the, is noticeable. The four, the grain on uh, in 135 for 400 yeah, is that's much more noticeable than the 120, Yeah, uh, particularly if you're pushing uh, in in higher shadow areas. and. You know, that's why you probably want to drop the uh, exposure a little, like when you're exposing for those shadows and right. pushing, drop it a little bit um, because you're going to, you know, you you can quickly end up with a bowl of cornflakes. Yeah. So, for example, if you're shooting at 1600 ISO, you're really exposing for huh? 1000. About that, yeah. There so, very, very similar like to how you would treat Delta 400 because like Delta 400... Uh, pardon me, sorry, Delta 3200 rather. Uh, Delta 3200 is actually a 1000 speed film pushed to 3200. Yes. Right. Um, yeah, so, I found that at the hard way on yeah. occasion. <laughs> yeah. We so all have. You'd probably, and again, like, you know, the most I would go with, uh, with T-Max would be EI 1000. Okay. Oh, hands down. Yeah. Now, we actually, um, for the first time, we actually asked the uh, studio audience, that is our friends over at the Negative Positives podcast Facebook group, about what films they took. And the results, not surprising at all, with the uh, top two being Ilford HP5 and Kodak Tri-X 400 being the most popular um, films that people reach for. Um, And then kind of... uh, Tied up after um, that for a second place, we have Across 100 Woo-hoo! and Ilford FP4. And then we also had um, Delta 100 coming in at third place. Interesting. There are some, uh, there are some interesting uh, ones here. We had uh, Ben Reynolds saying that Delta 3200 is his film of choice. Some um, people just love that grain, you know? Yeah. It does um, add a certain, like, cool. look to it when you're yeah. doing, like, an old jazz club or something like that, you know, well, sort of thing. That would... No one film is better oh, than no, another absolutely. film. No, it all depends no. on the, the work that you do, like, oh, exactly. what you're trying Perfect. to achieve. In yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So we had um, Andrew Peterson. Um, he picked Fomapan 200. That, that's surprising. Um, Adox Silvermax 
for uh, Anthony Rue. Hmm. Um, Corey Miller with uh, T-Max 400. Um, Jess Lance um, chose both T-Max 100 and Ultrafine Extreme 400, which is a fantastic film. Oh, that's one film yeah. I, I, I sort of got acquainted okay, with this so, past summer. So solve a mystery for me. Who makes Ultrafine? Ilford. Ilford really? does. Now, everyone's sort of speculating, is it really repackaged Camier 400? I say no. No. I think it is something specifically... The grain is totally different. Like, was it made for like the student market? You I know? think so. Yeah. It was a. It was. It, that's what it's aimed for. But students ain't buying it. It's smart consumers who realize they've got a good thing on their hands. Yeah. Like, for example, I was shooting with it last summer, and you know, I stayed at my brother's place in Toronto's East End. I was shooting up on Gerard, and I had this lovely shot of one of the old streetcars uh, on the five hundred six line, and it had such a tight grain structure it looked like almost 100 ISO film and mm. I'm sitting there going oh my god this is like HC 110 yeah be five minutes flat the other thing with ultra fine extreme I feel like I hump all the time it's like ultra fine extreme like the WWE announcer who's like on math or something <laughs> or cocaine or coke maybe both uh, <laughs> or Orial 3 <laughs> maybe that magic mixture and powder form and just hoover it up like <laughs> good night Borg man but even Ultrafine Extreme 400 pushed to 1600 uh, for 9 minutes and HC110B oh my god that's magic oh yeah it works great and I, I just sort of that just sort of became my new favorite one of my new favorites so it's not like Ilford HP5 is out of my camera bag it's supplemented absolutely it's all from the same factory yeah. Let's hope Brexit doesn't make a hash of that. Yeah, something for another time. <laughs> um, Mike Novak um, goes with uh, Oro UN54, which cool, is cool. another fantastic choice. Oh, that's a yeah. classic choice. I uh, really and, liked my Oro in, um, uh, developed in uh, D96, actually. Yep. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And Lomography now sells that as their Potsdam 100. And then um, Jeff Greenstein goes with the uh, another cinefilm, um, Eastman Double X. Mm, so cool. thank classic. you, everyone who responded. The responses were fantastic, mind-blowing, and I spent a good half hour writing out every response that I got that sort of fit our criteria. This is John here. We're going to finish off this episode with, uh, with a new feature uh, featuring James. James has been known to get passionate about certain uh, certain topics the rest of us are just so laid back <laughs> so well with no with uh, without further ado here is segment one of james and constant agitation frankly you know i think there's far too much hype about film companies raising prices on film i'd rather see them raise prices to keep emulsions being produced and to justify their production of it i mean like well, the last thing fuji yeah. really needs to do right now is you know keep pumping yeah. out film like i don't care i i don't care that uh the kodak has wow. raised prices by 30 percent. i've fuji seen the it. new prices online and it's really not that bad and i look at it this way yes analog photography is not a cheap hobby but the, you could go on a real money pit like say i don't know Restoring a vintage Porsche 356C. Well, sure. Yeah. And that's basically take a dump truck full of 20s, put jet fuel on it, and toss a lit Zippo lighter on top. And well, but, just but the same thing with other analog. 
other analog things that have come back, like vinyl. I mean, like, you know, you go look at new uh, pressed vinyl, and you're looking at 45 bucks, a, you know, a platter. I mean, that's ridiculous, I think. But, yeah. you know. Well, look, the reality is, is any hobby that you have is going to cost you a fortune. Absolutely. No matter what. Work-life balance. Enjoy yourself. Buy what you can afford. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, when stuff goes on sale, grab it. If you know there's a price increase coming, grab it. Yeah. But my position is, don't slag off companies for not pricing themselves into bankruptcy. Amen, brother. Yep, absolutely. It's all about equalization. Yeah. And it's sort of funny, you know. People will go absolutely nuts on buying gear. Like it'll be like gas of the month, yeah. and then they kvetch a bit. That the the price of film well, is going up. Well, now you're sparking my internal rage now, John, because I, you know what? Here's my okay, message. To okay, all okay, okay. <laughs> oh, here we go, James. James, there will be a special episode called "What James Actually Thinks." Okay. Yes, yes. Okay. There well, is. here's a brief taste. Listen, if you guys want to save the film community out there, go buy yourself a brand new, currently in production film camera. Stop buying shit off eBay for a year. Save up. Go buy yourself an F6 or an M7, or some other new Lomography, something new that's being manufactured, whether or not it's, um, uh, uh, you know, one of Ethan Moses's cameras, uh, you know, anything new that's being produced, buy something new. Stop buying used for a little bit, because we need to promote new cameras into this space so there's longevity and sustainability built into film photography. Oh, absolutely. A- and it doesn't have to be... An expensive new camera, like for example, we talked about in our last episode. Um, we mentioned some of the three D printing, there the are Goodman people, ones, and the Goodman. Like, and our and friend Lori Brooks, when she was on, she was she sort of talked about her her, her adventures in three D printing and how you can. There's a Kickstarter project out there right now that's you. It's for the plans for a three D printed camera. You just need a three D a decent three D printer and of course the right filaments, and off you go. Then you just need the lens, the back. Exactly. And if you think about it, all it takes is you know we've probably if you think about you know without digressing too far. Uh, oh, we've digressed. Yeah, I know we've kind of, but at least we're not cursing and swearing at this point. But um, if you think about it. Uh, Give in, James five minutes. In, in long term, from a long term perspective, um, we need new cameras to be, you know, put in put into the industry. And if you think about it, all the money we spend on used cameras, if we were to, you know, save up for a year, invest in something new, and if 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 one person in the film community, and we probably have, let's say, two hundred and fifty thousand people in the film community, uh, if one person. That's 250,000 new cameras sold in the industry in a year. If we can do that, that would be amazing. Any manufacturer would happily sell that many cameras, be it digital or film, nowadays, to be honest with you. I mean, Canon and Nikon, you know, if they have numbers of like 10,000 a year North America wide, they're happy, to be honest with you, because I used to work at the camera store. And like, you know, they'd love it if they had numbers like that. 250,000, that would be unbelievable. When we increase that market demand, it triggers manufacturers to start coming out with new products. And it helps Mm -hmm. us as a community. Uh, well, uh, that uh, that clears it up uh, for this episode. My name's Alex Lokes. Basically saying, um, well, you know, sometimes it's worthwhile to have the same film in your bed every night. 
This is Bill Smith. I'm just going to say, just keep, keep exposing for the shadows. This is Trevor Black uh, with film. You're keeping it real. Uh, this is James Lee. I got I got nothing. Go go buy a new camera and some new film. Stop buying used stuff. This is John Meadows. Sometimes you're pushing, sometimes you're pulling, and sometimes, sadly, you're compensating. It's tough being a film shooter. Wow. Wow. Uh, it's all exposure. <laughs> nice. Yeah, exposure dollars, baby. 